Appreciate that very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to go to the book of Ezra this morning. We're going to start a new series through the book of Ezra. You say, Pastor, what's the series called? I don't know. I cannot, I have got about three different things I want to call it. I will have that settled by next Sunday, good Lord willing. Exactly what we will call the series. This morning we're going to call it the book of Ezra. That's about as deep as I get this morning anyway. Oh, if remain seated once you find that. I've got a few things I want to say to try to, as an introductory here to get going in all of this. And then I'll read the text here. In the book of Ezra, um, if you're a Bible reader, you might even be thinking, well, why the book of Ezra? There's probably not a lot of people that have thought after reading through the book of Ezra, boy, I mean, it would be great if pastor preached through the book of Ezra. <laughs> and, and that's not without reason, truly. Um, Ezra is a historical book, and there are other books in the Bible that are historical, while at the same time being very richly biographical, like First and Second Samuel and, of course, Genesis. Um, but the book of Ezra is not like those. Ezra is a very condensed history, and the writer, which many say is Ezra himself, has recorded uh, names of people that are very hard to pronounce, and that really, most of them you never even heard of, except when you read the book of Ezra. It's like, oh man, are we going to have to read all of chapter 2? I don't know, it depends on how you act. <laughs> okay, well, okay, preacher, fine, so then why the book of Ezra? Well, because the study of the book of Ezra will be profitable. Well, how can you say that? Because of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So if, if the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, that means that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And Ezra has some very useful lessons to teach us about God and about God's Word and about God's purpose for our lives while we're in this world. This book, I really believe, can speak to our hearts about hearing from God and about worshiping uh, Him and about renewing our hearts for God because that's something that's needed on a pretty, pretty regular basis. Ezra can give us confidence that God is at work in our world right now. Uh, I don't, uh, three of you believe that. But it's true. God is at work in our world right now. Right now. Just the way it is. He's at work at, in our world just the way it is with people just the way they are. And I guarantee you, He is bringing His plans and His purposes to pass. It is happening. And also, because Ezra gives us the account of one of the biggest events in the history of God's people. Uh, three different times the Jewish people have lived outside of the land that God 
gave to Abraham, a land that was supposed to belong to them forever. The first time was when they were slaves in Egypt until God sent Moses to deliver them from Egypt. The second time was when they were carried into captivity to Babylon uh, until they returned as is described by Ezra. And then the third time was when Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD and they could not get back to their homeland for almost 1900 years, which happened in 1948 when they finally made it back. One of the most important lessons that this event teaches us, uh, though, is that this, and this is the title of the message this morning, history is his story. It's God's story. History is his story. C.S. Lewis said this, history is a story written by the finger of God. And we can see that truth highlighted in the introduction here to Ezra. So let's stand and we'll read, we'll read a few verses here. If, you stand, if you're not well able to stand, God understand, uh, knows all about that. But for us that can, we'll stand in honor of reading the Word of God. Ezra chapter number 1, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse number 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled... The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver, and with gold, and with goods, and with beast, beside the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Let's pray, and we'll get on into this message. Heavenly Father, once again, we just ask you for your blessing upon the Word of God and the preaching of it. Lord, we know that without you we can do nothing, and we've prayed for your power, and we ask for it once again, clarity of thought and speech, and Lord, that you would speak to hearts through the preaching of this message, and that we would learn what we need to learn, uh, Lord, uh, not only this morning, but as we go on uh, by the will of God through the book of Ezra in weeks to come. Father, help us now, as only you can. We need that from you, and we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing, and please do be seated. <clears throat> this all starts in 538 B.C. Cyrus... Uh, Persian king had come to power as the uh, first king of the New World Empire. And that took place because he overthrew the kingdom of Babylon. And that's going to give us a better understanding of what's happening in this chapter. And although it does not seem that Ezra was very concerned with how Cyrus came to power, what he really is focused on is the decree that Cyrus made allowing the Jews to return to Israel, and even more remarkable than that, really, 
is to be able to rebuild the temple and renew their worship to God. I mean, King Cyrus, he decreed that. And in Psalm 126, and we're not going to turn over there, but in Psalm 126, it records the response of the Jews living in exile to Cyrus' decree. It's pretty amazing. Verse number 1 of Psalm 26 says this, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, so it says again a second time, just like he had 900 years earlier, God had, when Moses had led God's people out of Egypt and to the land of Canaan, it goes on to say this, We were like them that dream, the people of Israel. We were like them that dream. Their response was like this, Pinch me. See if I'm dreaming. I mean, this seems way too good to be true. Here we are over here in captivity, and now this king is given liberty to be released and go back to the homeland. But not only to be released and go back to the homeland, he is saying, hey, make sure these people have enough where they can go back and rebuild the temple. I mean, no, no, it's an amazing thing. It was absolutely had to be a move of God. It was only God that moved this king, this Persian king, to do something like that. And then verse 2 goes on in Psalm 126 and says this, Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. They sang because God set them free. That's a good reason for you and I to sing. Amen. Because God has freed us from the burden of sin. Anyway, they were free to return to their homeland. They were free to rebuild the temple of God. They were free to give God the worship their captivity had denied them for all those years that they were there. Now in verse number 1, Ezra wants us to understand that this did not just happen. Oh, well, isn't that great? That Boy, he just changed his mind and everything just happened that way. No, 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 no. The decree... Uh, The decree of Cyrus was not merely an instance of incredibly good fortune. It wasn't just happenstance. It was done that God's word that was spoken and recorded by his prophet Jeremiah might be, could be, would be fulfilled. And so he is letting us know that, that, that that piece of human history was being written by the finger of God himself. And not just that portion, but all of the events that had led up to Israel's captivity and her need to be freed by God again. And so to see that, and then to really see it clear, and I want us to see it, to see it and see it clear, something else needs to be pointed out. The first two and a half verses of Ezra are practically identical to the last two verses of the book before it, 2 Chronicles. I mean, practically identical. Ezra picks up where 2 Chronicles leaves off with God's record of the fall of Jerusalem that necessitated the decree of Cyrus. And that's where we need to begin this morning. Well, I thought we were going to do the book of Ezra. We're going to do the book of Ezra, but we need to back up. One chapter, if we back up one chapter, we'll be, we'll be in Second, Second Chronicles chapter 36. Right. And it's just right there. All you have to do is turn one page back. It's going to be real easy here, okay? Okay, it's not bad. So, um, let's read it. Let's read it. Second Chronicles chapter 36. We'll begin verse number 11. Look at this. Zedekiah was one and 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. Now follow along here, verse 12. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God, and humbled not before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear by God. But he stiffened his neck 
and harden his heart from turning unto the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, all the chief of the priest and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. So before the fall of Jerusalem, God being a very compassionate God, as he always has been and always will be, he sent messengers to warn them because he cared about them. He cared about these people. No, no, it says that in verse 15. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them messengers, rising up times and sending, because he had compassion on his people. He cared about his people. The southern kingdom of Judah had been headed a wrong way for a, a long time, for many years. And the northern kingdom of Israel had fallen almost 150 years before this time. And before their fall, the northern kingdom's fall, they had infected the southern kingdom with their idolatry and with their immorality. And God's solution uh, to the backsliding of the southern kingdom was the very same as God's answer to the backsliding that led to the fall of the northern kingdom. Well, what was that? He sent preachers. He sent his prophets. No, he sent those loudmouth guys to say, repent. It's time to turn back to God. He sent messengers to them. And he sent his preachers to reprove them and rebuke them and call them to repentance. To turn back to God. To turn back to God's way. God has been long-suffering about their idolatry and about their immorality because of his love for them. Come on, I don't want you to miss this. God had been long-suffering toward them because of his love for them. No, no, no. He wasn't overlooking their sin. He wasn't thinking, oh, well, they're just a bunch of humans. No, 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 no. He, he had been long-suffering because he loved them and cared for them. God showed mercy to them because he loved them. He sent preachers to warn them uh, to, of, of where their sins were leading them because he loved them. God was definitely against their sins, just like He is against sins that run so rampant in our nation today. But God's heart of hearts was to save them from their sins if they would just let Him do so. So Judah ended up falling despite the faithful preaching of God's prophets. We know that God had a heart for them, but they had no heart for God. I'll say it again because, I mean, uh, that's very relevant for today. God had a heart for them, but they had no heart for God. And Jerusalem fell because they despised the Word of God. That's why they fell. Okay, let me back up again. Verse, verse 11 again. Zedekiah was one and twenty years old when he began to reign and reigned eleven years in Jerusalem and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God, and humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear by God, but he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart 
from, from uh, turning unto the Lord God of Israel. Look down at verse number 16. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised His words and misused His prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against His people till there was no remedy. The rejection and despising of God's word began at the top. What do you mean at the top? Was Zedekiah, the king, the last rightful king to reign over the Jews at that point. But Zedekiah was a spineless leader. He had no backbone. And and, and he could have saved his nation. But he refused to follow the counsel of God. Oh, no, no, he could have saved these people. If he had turned his heart to God, he was king. Come on, we understand kingdom, right? When, when, when there's a kingdom and there's a king, I mean, whatever the king does, that's what, he, that's what the, uh, the uh, 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 people of the kingdom are demanded to do also, right? Come on, there's a leadership there. And it's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to serve this God, but he didn't do that. And I'm telling you, that's a big problem in our nation today. Huge. Jeremiah preached to Zedekiah the word of the Lord, but Zedekiah rejected it. And instead of humbling his heart under the preaching of God's word, Zedekiah stiffened his neck, what the Bible said, we just read it, and hardened his heart against God and against God's word. Against God's word. Well, I'm telling you what, preacher, if God would just come down on the platform and speak for himself, he does speak for himself. But he used his messengers to do it. His word is still as true as it ever has been. Absolutely. It's a very dangerous thing to harden your heart against God and to defy God's word. I'll say it again. It's a very dangerous thing to harden your heart against God and to defy the word of God. Because the day will come when God's mercy will be withdrawn and God's judgment will come. It's happened over and over and we're not immune to that. The spirit of Zedekiah, the spirit of Zedekiah simply mirrored the spirit of his people. Hey guys, hey, come back here. Come back here and sit down. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. No need to go out right now. Not going to last up much longer. Y'all are going to do okay. You're going to do okay. The spirit of the king simply mirrored the spirit of the people. And vice versa. They both went that way. Zedekiah could have been a mighty influence that would have saved his people from the judgment that was to come. But no one could blame him when the judgment came because the people did have a mind of their own. So it really doesn't matter what everybody else does. Come on, let's bring it down to today's term. It really doesn't matter what everybody else does in the United States of America. It matters what you, you and I as individuals choose to do. Come on, that, and we could, we, could narrow that, all that, we could narrow that all the way down to a home, can't we? Absolutely so. Come on, there have, been, there have been people that we have picked up on buses that came from homes where the mom and dad and every rest people in the house cared nothing at all about God or serving God and doing what God would have them to do. But that one person decided, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to go God's way. And because of that, they did continue to go God's way. And they're out in ministry even now, doing what God would have them do. Hallelujah. And so, even though Zedekiah should have done that, really, when when judgment came, the people could not blame him. Sin had been rampant on a national scale. 
In fact, verse 14 says that the people transgressed very much. They polluted themselves morally and spiritually with all the abominations of the heathen. And this, wasn't, this was no longer a difference. Uh, there was no longer a difference between them, the people of God, and any other nation in the world. And we ought to meditate on that. Come on, because we're gathered here this morning as the people of God. Somebody say amen. And, and, and there should be a difference between us and those, of the, those out there that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should be doing our very best, absolutely, to get people to Jesus Christ. But there ought to be a difference in us if we're going to reach them. God's people, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, do the most for this world when they decide to be least like the world. When we separate ourselves from this world. When we decide we're going to go a different direction than the rest of the world. It's very important. Instead of repenting of God's word, they mocked the men who preached it. They despised God's word. They hated hearing it preached. I mean, it rubbed them the wrong way. And it says that they mocked God's prophets. That they thought they knew better than those preachers. Until their hearts, what it says, until their hearts were beyond remedy. Were beyond remedy. You know, people that will reject God's help have no real help. Come on, stay with me here this morning. People that will reject God's help have no real help. Jerusalem fell because God's word decreed it. Okay, look at verse 17. Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion upon young man or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand, and all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king, and of the princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burnt the house of God and break down the wall of Jerusalem and burnt all the palaces thereof with fire and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof and that had escaped from the sword carried away to Babylon where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill, watch this, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate, she, keep, she kept Sabbath to fulfill uh, threescore and ten years, 70, 70 years. So God, we have to get this, you have to get this, God put them at the mercy of a pagan king. And this pagan king for 70 years, 70 years, showed them no mercy. And, and, and as they came and took them into captivity, he did to God's people what he had done to all the other peoples he had conquered. His army killed without compassion. His army looted the temple of God, the temple of God, all of its treasures, and then burnt down and destroyed the city. And most of the captives were led away then, most of the survivors then were led away to Babylon. The, uh, the conquering and the captivity 
were done, verse 21 says, to fulfill the word of the Lord. Well, preacher, you mean God just brought this down on them? No, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't forget what's already been said. God sent His prophet and said, if you will just turn, you'll not have to face this. If you'll just listen, you'll not have to go through this. If you'll repent of your ways, everything's going to work out okay. But they didn't listen. And so God, who never goes against His Word, ever, He said, well, if you're not going to do it, then I have no choice than to do what I said that I was going to do if you would not listen to me. If you would not heed what I had for you. God had warned them of coming judgment, telling them what would befall them at the hands of the army of Babylon. He he had explained all that. And when they refused to pay attention to the warning, well, then judgment fell. I mean, just like God's preacher had prophesied that it would. Come on, these prophets that came, they didn't come preaching their own messages. Not at all. They came preaching, thus saith the Lord. Here's what God wants you to hear. Here's what you need to do. God, through His prophet Jeremiah, had prophesied something else. He prophesied that the captivity of God's people would only last 70 years. This is only going to last 70 years. And that really brings us to the very remarkable decree of this Gentile king named Cyrus that made way for Israel's second return to their homeland. A a decree made that the word of the Lord, the, the Bible says, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. So what do we learn from this? Well, we learn that it's God and not man who determines the final plan of human history. It's God. History is His story. One of the wonderful great perks of the Bible, if I can say it that way, is that it helps us to see how God works behind the scenes of history to keep His promises and to fulfill His Word. And for us to think for a second that God has changed, that we can twist His Word and make it say what we want it to say, that we can deny Him and His Word and everything's going to be okie-dokie, we're just fooling ourselves. We're just fooling ourselves because God hasn't changed. And we do have His Word. God's hands are not tied because of who is in power down here. Not at all. Oh, no, 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 no. God's purposes are not frustrated because people despise His Word and attempt to muzzle His preachers. No, 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 no. God is able to use whosoever He wants to, regardless of their position in this world, and He will use them to fulfill His Word and to complete His plans, just like He used this king of Persia. Same way. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying if he wants to use Vladimir Putin, he will. 
If he wants to use President Donald Trump, he will. He can use people to fulfill his word and to complete his plans. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. And that is our God because God will keep his word. He will keep his word for sure. He will judge sin. I said our God will judge sin. And he will save those who believe his word and turn to him in repentance. He will keep his promises. He will fulfill his purpose. He will move heaven and earth if needs be done. He's able to do that. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, please, that's why we should take heed to God's word when it's preached. That's why we should come to church to get in and not get out. That's why we should come to church prayerfully. Asking God to speak to us. Help me Lord. If there's, if there's, if there's hidden sin in my life. Help me. If there's an area that needs to be dealt with. Help me. If there's something that I'm not seeing in my own life. Help me God. Lord, shine your light in the dark places of my heart. Show me where I'm not right with you. You know, it's an amazing thing in a church service, a preaching service. It's an amazing thing how God can speak to each individual in a different way. But He can. And He does. But He doesn't. Listen, He doesn't if we don't want to hear it. He doesn't if we're just going through the motions. He doesn't if we're just going to church to try to feel better about ourselves. Come to the house of God with a meek spirit and with a teachable heart. Expect God to speak to you through the preaching of His Word. Readily admit that God knows better than you. Do not ignore Him when He calls you to turn from sin or or when He tries to build godly character in your life. I'm telling you, beware of ignoring or despising God's Word because that's how Jerusalem fell and God was the only one that could rescue them. God was. And He's still trying to direct His people. He's still trying. We'll take heed. He will direct us. If we'll listen, He will direct us. If we'll yield to Him, him, He will direct us. He will help us. He will guide us. He will bless us. I'm telling you, we we can live a life well beyond what we ever dreamed we could live if we just listen and follow God. Well, preacher, you know, the world's going this way. We're not supposed to follow the world. We're supposed to follow Him. Well, preacher, I just don't feel. Let me stop you right there. really doesn't matter how you feel. No, I don't mind. I'll say it again. It really doesn't matter how you feel about anything. What matters is what the Word of God says and what God wants you to do. Well, you know, I'm just exempt. Let me stop you right there too. No, you're not exempt from anything that God would speak to you about. 
I said, you're not exempt. Well, he understands my circumstances. I'm telling you, he knows all, absolutely. And he understands circumstances, absolutely. But he still has direction for us. But we have to yield. We have to be ready to accept what he says to us and to do what he has for us. Or it does not mean a thing, just like it didn't mean a thing to the people that he sent Jeremiah to. And he preached to them, you need to repent. You better turn. You're going to go into captivity. Ah, that preacher down on the corner, he's all wet. Jeremiah, preacher doom and gloom, you know, makes off like God is going to come in and wipe us out and carry us off to captivity. Can you believe all that stuff he preaches? No, no. Our God's just a loving, caring God. And he wouldn't do anything like that to us. Pretty much the mindset of the United States of America, isn't it? But God's the same as He was. He's the same as He was. Oh, preacher, that's Old Testament. Oh, don't even get me started there. I'm telling you, the God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament ages. Very same God. And some people have this idea, well, back in the Old Testament, God was mean and angry and he was just mad all the time, trying to kill people all the time. And he never showed any compassion. He showed a lot of compassion to these people. He showed a lot of long-suffering. He sent prophet after prophet after prophet over and again, trying to get people to turn back to him. And if they had just done it, everything would have been fine. No, he had compassion and he had love and he had care and he had concern and he was very long-suffering. He was very patient for that time. But when they would not listen, he had to be true to his word well his word hasn't changed a bit and I'm telling you we'll do very well to listen to God do as he says because I'm no 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 you think you can get by with something and you might for a while but I'm telling you don't mistake the grace of God uh, for the for the uh, for the uh, for the uh, permission of God because God's not going to give you permission to go against him he's full of grace and mercy but he wants us to take heed. And I think too often that, that, that we, we take advantage of his grace thinking, I can get by, I'm getting by, I'm doing this. God hasn't done anything yet. Come on, friends. Come on, I'm, I'm trying to quit here. Do you understand that these people probably had that same mindset? They're listening to this guy preach over and over and over. God's going God's to come. He, he's going to overthrow the city if you don't repent and turn. And they just kept on living the way they was living. And they're thinking, that preacher, he's crazy. God ain't done nothing, man. Look, we're living. Everything's fine. Nothing's, nothing, nothing's happening here. Everything's good. Until they pushed it over the line. Until God had to say, Mercy, why didn't you listen? Try to guide you in the way that you're supposed to go and you, you don't take heed. And now I've got to stand by my word. I'm telling you, God will always stand by His word. No, the kind, compassionate God of the New Testament was a kind, compassionate God in the Old Testament. Absolutely. Absolutely. People chose to ignore God's Word. They chose to oppose God's Word. They decided they'd just deny God's Word. They would reject God's Word. But I'm telling you, no one can prevent God from fulfilling His Word. 
doesn't matter how much you deny it or reject it, despise it, oppose it, God's word will be fulfilled. If not today, tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, the next day. And if not the next day, maybe the next month or next year. But I'm telling you, we're not getting by with anything. God keeps His promises. He always keeps His promises. God is always at work to make sure His promises and His purposes are fulfilled. You know, at least one-fourth of the Bible when it was initially given was prophetic. When it was originally given to us. At least one-fourth. A very large portion of that's already been fulfilled. So never doubt it. The parts that have not yet been fulfilled one day will be. Because God, not man, determines the final agenda of human history. Because it's His story. He wrote it. He's writing it. Well, I just think it's terrible that God didn't give them a little more. Stop, 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 stop. And then He let them off in captivity and all that stuff happened to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But He even limited that for His people. And then moved on the heart of a Gentile king not only to let them go, but to give them what they needed to get back and restore the temple so they could go back to worshiping Him. Don't, don't even try to tell me that God's not in control. God's in control. It's up to us. It's up to us to listen. To listen to Him. To follow His Word. To take heed. To yield. To obey. Well, come. Because God loves us. He loves us. And he doesn't, he doesn't want. God does not want to have to come down on us. He wants us to listen and follow. He's not going to make you. It's a choice you have to make. Each of us. Preacher, um, you didn't really get into the book of Ezra. Well, it's a continuing story. We'll get into it next week, Lord willing. I think it sets a great foundation for what God is going to do here in the book of Ezra. And it shows that God is a loving, caring God that will fulfill His Word. Don't get to thinking that church is all about, 
us being religious and if we go do this stuff and everything, we'll feel better about ourselves. And we can pick and choose what we really want to do, but, you know, I mean, you know, at least we go to church and everything. No, 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 no. Look, it's all about this. And the God who gave it to us. And if we will just be mindful to Him and heed His Word, really is amazing what we can do in our lives. Our nation needs revival, no doubt. And I'd love to see a nationwide revival. It'd be a wonderful thing. But at this point in my life and my ministry, I'd love to see a church-wide revival. where the people of Riverside Baptist Church are all just sold out to God and whatever He wants, whatever He'd have us do. I'm thankful for the God that saved my soul and gave me new life. And that since that time, 36 years ago, He's never left me nor forsaken me. And that He gave me His Word and He sent preachers into my life. that without fear or favor of men and without fear or favor of women, preached to me and helped me to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord Jesus Christ. My heart's desire for everyone of Riverside Baptist Church is that we would all be close to God in His will, following Him, heeding Him, obeying Him, Because He loves us. And He has a plan for our lives. Let's bow our heads. Would you bow?